and welcome back to Spotlight, the monthly podcast that discusses issues pertinent to child health with guests who make you think about areas not usually explored. I'm Rachel Ekbeko, Senior Editor of Archives of Disease in Childhood, and this is ADC Spotlight. Today I'm joined by Dr. Cathy Branthwaite. Cathy is a consultant in paediatrics about to start with Maid Sanson Frontier in Yemen. Welcome, Cathy. Hi. And thank you for joining us. We will uh, be discussing the paper Safeguarding Concerns in the Illegal Migration Act 2023. We'll be going into some of the background to this act, but I just wondered briefly, what would you say are the key points uh, that pertain to children in this act? Yes, absolutely. So thank you very much, Rachel. Um, So the Illegal Migration Act 2023 was created by the current government as part of their migration policy to prevent and deter what they deem to be unlawful and illegal migration by means of detention and deportation. And a lot of the key points in this act relate not only to adults, but also to children. This includes extensive powers to detain children and powers to remove and deport children, specifically for USP, which is unaccompanied asylum-seeking children. The Home Secretary will have the power to remove USP and Once they turn 18 years of age, they will have the duty to remove the unaccompanied asylum-seeking children from the UK. Furthermore, there are key points in the Act relating to age assessment. Children deemed to need to undergo an age assessment. If they refuse, even though they would have the right to with informed consent, which is an underpinned medical practice, This would be deemed as damaging to their credibility and may affect their right to appeal. Therefore, this would feel as though consent is being given under duress. So that's 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 quite a lot to take in there, Cathy. You've just just gone through. Well, there, there are many problems in this illegal many. migration act pertaining to children and safeguarding. Mm. Um, and, and I can see that it's absolutely key that we pay attention to this bit of legislation, not only for doing the right thing for children being being moral citizens, but also because it may have quite damaging effects to children that we might encounter in our practice. Oh, absolutely. Yes. When we talk about age assessment, and there are absolutely... Uh, concerns about consent as well as consequences of not giving consent to what what are medical assessments uh, in the context of a non-medical reason. Uh, There's also something to say about the foundation which these assessments are being done and the government relies on to say that it's quite appropriate measure to do. Could you say something about that? Absolutely. So age assessments previously were 
performed by social workers as part of a multidisciplinary approach following underlying Merton principles. However, in the Nationality and Borders Act, uh, which came into fruition in 2022, there were proposed changes to age assessment, including immigration officers making the initial assessment of whether an age assessment is necessary and whether a child is under or over the age of 18. I would like to point out that immigration officers are not trained in any form of child development. But furthermore, the Home Office were interested in the use of scientific methods to assess age. They asked an independent body, the Age Estimation Scientific Advisory Committee, to look into scientific methods. And actually, the outcomes of this committee were that there are no scientific methods that can predict age with any form of precision, that the methodology used should respect and prioritise health and well-being, and they should uphold dignity and the right of the child to choose. Despite this outcome from this committee, the age assessment adaptations in the Illegal Migration Act include the use of X-rays and MRIs for the purpose of assessing age. Furthermore, they have the power to detain children whilst awaiting the outcome of an age assessment And if they refuse to undergo any of the investigations associated with the new age assessment, such as an X-ray, this is damaging to their credibility and could affect their right to appeal, all of which sounds highly unethical. In particular, the use of X-rays and making children undergo radiation for a non-medical purpose when there is no consensus that an x-ray can accurately determine a child's age. So there are some significant concerns with this new age assessment process. Quite at at different, um, in different areas, the practicability of it, the ethics and the solid foundations which are lacking. Oh, yes. I mean, the UN Convention on the Rights of the Child deems age assessment to be a last resort and not routine practice. And regarding age, children should be given the benefit of the doubt, which is not the case under the Illegal Migration Act. So if we go back a bit and see whether we can, I wouldn't say compartmentalise, but make things a bit more chunked up. So there's something about a change that will come into play this year. Uh, So my understanding is that six months after its introduction, so November of 2023, uh, we might be faced in this country with a situation where there's children who might be detained, who may be not allowed assessment of asylum, who may be removed to a deemed safe country immediately or when they turn 18. 
and who therefore may not have the a safe environment to be. Is that right? Yes, that's absolutely correct. It's actually it's quite shocking when you read what the Illegal Migration Act contains regarding to children and their safeguarding. It breaches our Children's Act of 1989 pertaining to the human rights of children and the safeguarding duty by the UK. So that's a major thing. That's a piece of legislation, as I understand it, that uh, enshrines into law that any child should be safeguarded. Oh, absolutely. Um, The UK has a statutory duty due to the Children's Act uh, to safeguard all children in the UK, and that's all children regardless of their country of origin. But what's concerning with the Illegal Migration Act is not only does it seem to breach our domestic laws, but it also goes further than that and could breach international laws uh, regarding to human rights and safeguarding. I mean, by the government's own admission, they can't actually confirm if the Illegal Migration Act is compatible with the European Court of Human Rights, for which the UK is a signatory. We also would be at risk of violating the UN Refugee Convention, which outlines human rights for asylum seekers and refugees. Finally, it would breach the UN Convention of the Rights of the Child uh, and the safeguarding principles and human rights principles for children set out in this, particularly in regards to the detaining and deportation of children. That's quite mind-boggling, really. So it's passed, um, so it's law in this in this country. Yes, that's right. So it was presented by the House of Commons and passed through the House of Lords. Unfortunately, the amendments uh, suggested by the House of Lords were voted against in the House of Commons and the bill reached royal assent on the 20th of July this year. Therefore, it's now an act of law in this country. So we've got a piece of legislation that looks like it's flying in the face of um, Children's Act as well as international law. So I will make the assumption that there are organisations who so far have tried to amend, change, redirect and have to some extent been successful to that. But we are still faced uh, with a situation that there are children who will face uh, an adverse situation in the in the UK. You've been part of a health environment uh, where you've had access to children uh, in similar circumstances. From that experience, would you mind commenting on what might happen to these children um, and what we have already seen happening even before this law came into place? Yes, so the unaccompanied asylum-seeking children are some of our most vulnerable children in the UK. Um, These children have often had significant adverse life experiences um, in their country of origin during their journey to the UK and 
in the UK itself. Um, these children could have experienced abuse, exploitation. They may have been trafficked into the country. And so really, these are the people in our society that we should morally and legally be protecting the most. Whereas the Illegal Migration Act defies that. It actually exposes these children to a further heightened risk of abuse and exploitation. So what does that look like, Cathy? Yes, so these children currently, um, prior to the Illegal Migration Act, um, any unaccompanied asylum-seeking child under the age of 18 uh, would be seen as a looked-after child and therefore under the care of our local authorities. And what this provides for these children is an advocate, a safe environment to reside in, access to education, to a comprehensive medical assessment. Um, So all aspects that these children need to try and be able to process trauma uh, and rebuild their lives as best as able to. Uh, This is what children in the UK in similar circumstances would be provided uh, and that's what these children also have the right to be provided. However, under the Illegal Migration Act, we could see the looked-after child status being stripped from these children the Home Secretary would have the power to do that. And instead of having an advocate to assist them in the process of submitting an asylum claim uh, and navigating the different language and cultural barriers that these children have faced, they could be housed in deportation centres, they could be housed with adults whilst they're waiting for an age assessment to occur and therefore these extremely vulnerable children could legitimately face abuse and exploitation in these circumstances. Deportation centres are are not safe places to house children and there are no safeguards in place there. In my mind, that's outrageous. Oh yeah, absolutely. It should be more outrageous to more people. It should be outrageous to any person in the UK. You know, for me, a civilised society is a society that looks to protect its most vulnerable and especially its most vulnerable children. If we're unable and unwilling to do that, uh, for me, that speaks volumes. Yeah, what does that say about our society? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think... On an international stage, the Illegal Migration Act does not come across well for the UK, as well as breaching international law, which we've discussed. It demonstrates to me a lack of compassion from the UK, a sort of a view towards isolationism instead of collaboration, which on the global stage, it does not make the UK look very good. No. And have you had any signals 
that that might indeed be the case? Have there been comments on from international places uh, on this legislation, for instance? Well, migration and human displacement is only becoming a bigger issue um, in a complete global context, but particularly in Europe at the moment, in Lesvos, where I've previously worked, in Lampedusa, in Italy, in Turkey, in Poland. There's so many countries significantly affected by migration. And for me and for many people in this field, the feeling is that this can't be addressed alone or in isolation. Countries have to work together to try and come to a solution. Otherwise, this crisis will continue and I don't know where the end would be in sight. It's a very intractable situation we find ourselves in. And it may be that it's so big that people might say, oh, there's nothing I can do about it. Um, so so I would I would ask, what would you say to a paediatrician working in the UK? What What is in within their capacity to try to redress this? I think as paediatricians, we have a really strong voice, a strong collective voice in this field. And there's so much that we can all do just because the Illegal Migration Act is now an act of law. It doesn't mean that there's nothing that we can do to to try and help these children and to still advocate against this act. Main things that we can do in a, in a sort of a, a collective context would be that we can campaign, we can campaign against child detention and we can advocate for these children and for this cause um, by working collaboratively with advocacy groups, supportive MPs, policy statements reaffirming our position as paediatricians, which the RCPCH have been doing many policy statements on this issue. Camilla Kingdon herself, the RCPCH president, has stated that the passing of the Illegal Migration Act is a child's rights violation and a safeguarding catastrophe, which I completely agree with. Um, But on a sort of, on a personal basis as a paediatric doctor, what we're able to do is we can empower these children. We can address their health needs, both physical and psychological. We can look out for signs of mental health crisis and also we can help safeguard these children we can we're in a a position where we can look for signs of abuse and exploitation and we can escalate these concerns and I think as an individual that that's the most important thing that we can do absolutely so when, when we might see uh, children in our practice, we need to be mindful of, of our role in that, uh, in that situation. And that, firstly, would be as a practitioner. And Archive for Disease and Childhood has um, published um, data from groups who've been working in this, uh, in this area, what it is that you might do structurally 
when practicing. And I do, I do think that then there is also the second step that as pediatricians we have a dialogue uh, with with people that actually this is not acceptable, and we should be able to do better. So what would you say? Um, there are forums that people could look to to be able to have a have an approach beyond the practice room. So I think working with advocacy groups such as the Refugee Council, UNICEF, Safe the Children, Safe Passage, these groups are all doing some fantastic work, which are easily accessible online. We need to work with the alongside these groups to try and do our best to to get the word out, to inform people. Um, I would also advise that we can speak to our local MPs. There's many supportive MPs who are not in favour of the Illegal Migration Act and they may be in positions of influence that we can encourage them to use their position for the greater good. Yes. And I think we, we, we shouldn't be shy about uh, about our position. We're quite um, capable of articulating the data. We see the children as part of our populations. We can describe what we see uh, as part of their uh, situation uh, and relay that uh, data so that we have founded evidence um, when we are talking about policy um, beyond moral and uh, legal considerations. For sure, we're in a very unique position where we interact and work with these unaccompanied asylum-seeking children firsthand. We hear their experiences. We can get an understanding of their trauma and the risks that they continue to face. Therefore, it's our responsibility to get the word out, advocate for these children and try and make their experiences in the UK a better one and to safeguard for their future. Thanks, Cathy. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. We publish regular podcasts about some of the best content of archives of disease in childhood. The papers discussed in ADC Spotlight will be available free of charge for a month after the podcast episode release. If you don't want to miss us, please subscribe on your preferred platform to get the podcast directly on your device each month. We'd also like to hear from you, so please leave us a review on the Archives of Disease and Childhood podcast page on iTunes. Thank you, and until next month. <laughs>